Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio This time of year again, isn't it? Oh boy! Oh, what they gonna come over and use our fucking house? As oh uh, yeah, as yeah, you know, this is like our main form of income is when they come over and do these movies, where they pick movies and watch them, eh? Why do they have to do it in our house, and why do they pay us six hundred bloody pounds? I don't fucking know, do I? But I will tell you that money comes in handy, and I'm happy to do it. That money comes from Andy's. It comes from Andy's, yeah. They they forwarded to Andy's and then Andy sent it over there. Oh, I thought you meant like it comes from Andy's. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, no, no. These boys are these boys are straight up. Who's mate. on first? Ah, third base. <laughs> okay, what the uh, hell? I think I... Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, we have to go on now. Oh, you guys are here, are you? Hello, Brandon. Hello, Jason. Hey, hey guys, what's what's going on? Uh, is our is our studio ready? Ah, it's, it's all prepped for. Oh, day what is ready? If you're ready. Yeah, I, I would say we're ready. Hey, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's yeah. not your fault. Nobody that's from the Will Hunt movie, that, eh? Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, that's a new that's a new one I got. Because yeah, he I don't loves know, movies he does. I, I don't know, think about doing our own podcast, eh? I don't, I don't know if you know this, but uh, in the UK, I'm using the stereotype of like, Eastern European countries getting movies late, but I'm applying it to the UK for it's, some fucking reason. That's why this guy's funny. Hey, he's sharp. He's sharp. <laughs> yeah, watch out, Ricky Gervais. This has been fun and all, guys, but can you clear out? We really have to... Yeah, we we have to record a podcast here. It's uh, going to take us a, you know, about 90 minutes to two hours, so if you guys could just kind of... Ah, it's all right, it's all right. We'll just be out in the living room if you need us, hey? If you need a beer, if you need a, a drink, you need an Andy, you just call Brendan. Uh, uh, <laughs> you just call Brendan, he'll be right there. He'll give you a hand job, no problem. Or give him, like, no one's business. And, and, and in fact, it's no one's business. So don't tell anyone I gave you Andy. I, I thought he said Brendan was going to give me the handy, not you. I got confused with my own identity. <laughs> now I'm Australian. Boy, crikey. Let's get out of here. Let's let these boys get to work, eh? All right. Bye. Bollocks. Yeah, bye, guys. Wow. See you know what? If those guys weren't real and they were like, it was two people doing those accents, mm. it would be extremely offensive. It would be. It would like be. a caricature. But, but thankfully, because they're real people, it, it doesn't matter. It, they're real people, guys. I mean, you, can't, we, you can't argue with truth. We pay $600 for the, for the studio space. $600. Um, 600 pounds, Brendan. Oh, 600 pounds. Sorry. Uh, because, Do you know how hard it is to get pound money here? 
I don't. I, I mean, I thought you just had to email um, the A and E show my seven hundred pound life or whatever the fuck that's called. You don't think I do that every week? And I have not got a single fucking pent from them. So you got seven hundred of them. Can't you spare one? That's right. That's right. That, Come on. that shows about money, right? I assume. I've never watched it. Yeah. But this show is not about money. No. But it does make a trillion dollars a week. Uh, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, your check's coming in the mail. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> this podcast is called... We're going to have a talk. This is a, this is a podcast uh, called For Screen... And Country. And I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Normally on this show, Jason, what do we do? Well, we normally go through a list. Mm-hmm. Uh, that list of the top 100 British films as ordained by the British Film Institute in the Year of Our Lord, 1999. But not this Week, Brendan, because we are doing one of our famous subseries. And what is that subseries called, Brendan? So famous. It's called Brit Picks. And what do we do on Brit Picks, Brendan? We each present a film and discuss whether it maybe should go on the BFI Top 100 if, if there is an update yep. may, um, in the future. And now normally, Jason, we each pick a movie that we have previously seen. Absolutely. This is not the case. This is not the case because it was my pick this week, Brendan, and I decided to pick 2014's Kingsman. The Secret Service. And the reason I picked that is because after having watched both James Bond movies, uh, The Ipcrest File and uh, <laughs> The Avengers, I, I hadn't actually seen this Not movie. Not the Marvel one, guys. Calm down. Calm down. Uh, I hadn't seen this movie and I wanted to actually finally see it because I felt like this movie is kind of would try to do what The Avengers wanted to do mm-hmm. and failed so horribly at. Yeah. Iron so Man, Iron Man, not the best spy. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard for him to blend in. <laughs> it really is, unless he goes to like a factory of all Iron Men. Well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there he's fine. Nobody's gonna notice him. <laughs> no, it's just one of the Iron Men. Carry on, boss. Why is that guy painted red? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that's what we're doing. So, Kingsman: The Secret Service is what we're gonna talk about. Before we talk about that, Jason, we should read some comments about the last film on the list that we discussed. Sure. Which was the Man in the White Suit, your favorite film. <laughs> very good very good thank you i just summed everything up so everyone yeah. knows what we're doing no you you get a, an a plus mark on this one Brian. okay okay uh this is your evaluation by the way it's oh. your monthly employee evaluation oh sweet okay go so ahead you're doing real good so far so okay. just just keep doing what you do just pretend i'm not here uh <laughs> well <laughs> all right i don't know how that's gonna go but i'll try I'm going to I'm going to separate myself here. I've done a bunch of ketamine, so I'm going to separate myself from myself and I'm going to observe myself as we interact and then I will evaluate myself as well. Sounds complicated. Right, just give me a sec here. Oh. Okay, I'm good. Let's do this. Perfect. Uh so Jason, we got some comments. Let's uh start us off here. Let's dive into these comments. We have yet another uh, comment from our serial commenter, one of many, Adam Pellman. Adam says, of the man in the white suit, quote, that's what you get. You get a quote, Adam. I really enjoyed this one Mm. for such an old movie, uh, for such an old film, pardon me. Its theme of new technology making a whole industry obsolete felt incredibly relevant to our modern era when concerns about automation and AI are so prevalent. That's right. You would be able to say, uh, Adam, that uh, Alec Guinness in this movie was disrupting... The textile industry. Okay, you, you said that as if like I was I was going to applaud you for such yeah, an amazing you pun should. or something. You should. I'm using a buzzword. Disrupting. Yeah. And then you, everybody breaks out into cheers and it's, it's, it's like fucking Kramer walked in the door. Oh, wait. I'm supposed to pretend you're not here. I forgot about uh, that. Well, well, no. I'm, I'm here, but I'm not here. You know oh, what I'm saying? Gotcha, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha, it was gotcha, the ketamine. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, next comment, Brendan. Yeah. Next comment. It's, it's, our, it's our good old friend Sharon Horwat. And in a significant change this week. Well, I'm not going to spoil it yet. All right, well, let's see what happens. But she starts out by saying, turns out this was free on Canopy. 
Oh. So here are my thoughts I had while watching it. So in future, we can only watch movies on Canopy, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, BFI Top 100. <laughs> you're, uh, there's some limited choices left. For Screening Country, where we talk about the top 100 movies on Canopy, as ordained by some guy last year. <laughs> by Joseph Canopy. <laughs> um, so here are her thoughts. Hey, look, Sydney invented the Blue Man Group with those musical pipes of his. Ah. Uh, it's quite nice to see Joan Greenwood in a movie where she doesn't say the N-word, and she's referring to kind hearts and coronets. Ooh, wow, we've got something to look forward to. Listen, we've, we've had a lot of comments that reference that movie, mm. that we haven't done that movie. That's kind of becoming our new carry-on up the Kyber. That's right, so we've got two two more uh, Powell and Pressburgers, don't we? That's not a Powell and Pressburger. Isn't it? No. Oh, I thought it was. No. Is it's it just a, it's a No, it's just, just a Pressburger. It's, it's neither of them. Oh. It's an Ealing movie with, uh, with um, Al Guinness playing many different roles. Oh, so he's doing an Eddie Murphy. Yeah, it's it's Kind Hearts and Coronets to the Clumps. Nice. <laughs> Continue. Uh, this movie definitely feels like an inspired movie. There you go. There you it go. inspired movies like The Nutty Professor and The Absent-Minded Professor. And perhaps Flubber? And The Absent-Minded Professor. Well, that's the original Flubber. Yeah, and that, actually, I just saw that's that smart. for the first time like a week ago. Oh, I've never seen it. It was really good. I never saw either of them. It's a I lot of fun. I didn't particularly care for Robin Williams at that point in my life. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm... Unless he was in serious movies. I'm not... Yeah, like Patch Adams. That's right. <laughs> what no. dreams may come. Oh, yeah, classic. <laughs> um, no, after my professor, I always, for some reason, thought it was Jerry Lewis. It's Fred McMurray. What's wrong with me? Hmm, yeah. No, he um, was a good Jerry Lewis the Nutty Professor. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, Mrs. Watson seems like the loveliest old lady. She probably would have had some delicious saltwater taffy in her parlor at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, the good old days when you could just casually dump an unknown chemical substance down the drain without a second thought. Uh, sit, this is a quote from Sydney here. I won't stay in your house another minute. Immediately gets thrown out. Perfect joke. <laughs> um, all of these explosions, all of these explosions as punchlines seem to have inspired Monty Python or Jim Henson, right? Probably, but also I think explosions have always been a good punchline. I, I don't know what the first explosion as a punchline was. I feel like we'd have to go back to like Harold Lloyd or Buster Keaton or something. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, I I see the Jim Henson connection for mm. sure because the the thing with the you know Beaker and uh, that's my favorite the Kermit song. Whatever the Jim that Henson doctor connection. Someday they'll find it. The Henson connection. <laughs> The cocaine, the Muppets, and me. I don't oh, know guys, I found him. He's six feet under the ground. Oh, back. Let's go get him. <laughs> Listen, Jim Henson, Jim Henson's family and friends, I don't know if he did cocaine. Don't sue me. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to assume, although the idea of Kermit on cocaine does uh, appeal to me. If you have any doubt, search out Sesame Street on drugs. You can find it on your local Napster device. Um, That's right. I watched that when I was like... I'm sure Sharon is loving us uh, uh, butchering her comments this way. <laughs> listen, Continue. Listen, I, watched, I just want to say I watched Sesame Street on drugs, like the, the clip when I was like uh, 13 or 14, and it was hilarious. You were me. on drugs at 13 or 14? All the time, Jason. You I never, I never stopped. By a, Sharon says, I, I overall think this movie works better in black and white, but the glow-in-the-dark effect probably would work better with color. Mm. Uh, man, 80-minute movies are so nice. Fucking right, Sharon. Uh, and then finally she says, I did a teensy bit of research on Ealing Studios, and it turns out the studios are still being used today, and one movie that filmed on their lots is Shaun of the Dead. What? Technically an Ealing Studios movie. Wow. An they- institution in British film. Yeah. Thank you, Sharon, for all your your kind words and yes. observations. Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, and, and thank you to uh, Canopy for uh, having this movie for free. Canopy, if you want a co-sponsorship, let's do this. All right. Well, moving on from Sharon, we appreciate your comment. But our next comment comes from Davy Morrison. I don't recognize the name, so he may be a first-time commenter. If you're not Davy, I'm sorry. I think he's commented a couple times. But it's a good name, though. Yeah. A delightful movie. 
I recommend director Alexander McHendrick's book on filmmaking to anyone interested in learning about the craft of film directing. I also recommend his film The Maggie, another Ealing comedy classic. I was just, I, when I read that, I said, maybe we'll have to watch that one day just to see. we got to find the McHendrick movie for you. There's got to be one. They, even it, it sweet, speaks to me. Even Sweet Smell of Success might be it. Mm-hmm. Never know. I, I do like the smell of success. You can go ahead and take the other one. Mine, mine was right. pretty long. Uh, uh, Kenneth... M- M- I think I've had trouble with this one I'm McAlinden. 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 It's a Mick, not a Mac. So I have a little bit of a, a prejudice against him because he's missing that important A. But I'll, I'll let it slide. Ken says, It is a very solid satire that is both silly and biting in a way I enjoyed. My instant synopsis of it is as follows. Capital and labor respond to disruption in the usual way. Comedic panic. That's actually a really that's a really good uh, uh, distillation of this movie, Ken. Thank you. <laughs> I, I just I think when I read uh, the comedic panic line, I actually could picture that like on the back of the VHS box. Mm, absolutely. Um, Ross Walt- Waldorf simply says, "Love this movie. Probably my favorite of those Ealing comedies." And I just thought that was uh, a good comment to pull because I think you said this is your least of the yeah. McKendrick movies. I don't know. Actually, mm... no. Wait, Maybe Man, Lady Killers. Wait, is Man less? in the White Suit was a. Wait, were we talking? Man in the White Suit is a McKendrick movie. Man in the White Suit and then Whiskey Galore yeah. and the Lady Killers. And the Lady Killers. You know, I think Lady Killers is probably my least favorite of the okay. three, for sure. But they're all fucking terrible, right? Yeah, oh yeah, no, they're the worst. They're they're up there with the Ishtar. Yeah, maybe? Ishtar and Heaven's Gate. Uh, yeah, and Man in the White Suit, all on the same plateau. Have you ever seen Heaven's Gate? No. I hear it's good if you watch the, like the four hour director's cut. Okay, so I will never hear that it's good. <laughs> uh, by the way, thank you, Ross. Love your salad. Uh, next comment, or final comment. Yeah. Uh, Chris Berry, again, the actor, the composer, I don't know, but uh, he's writing in again. And what does he have to say, Brendan? I'll tell, you tell me. Well, no, you tell me. You only got that tiny little Ross Waldorf there. I bet I read a monster of a comment. Ah, oh, dude, go for it. Uh, Christopher Berry says, not my favorite Ealing comedy, but one of my favorite performances by Alec Guinness. He really carries the whole film. He shows off his comic chops in this. With anyone else in the central role, I doubt it would hold the affection that it does. Chris, I agree with your comment 100%. Alec Guinness is the standard of this movie. It's it's a cool movie, but yes, without without him, this isn't probably on this list, I would say. All right. Nothing against everybody else in it, but... You just need you need an Alec Guinness. See, I don't know. I I don't know about that. Just in the sense that Whiskey Galore is on this list, and I don't think it has anyone quite as you know quite as notable. But it gets as the Alec texture Guinness. right, which is more than can be said for some other movies. We're out of whiskey. Exactly. Great line. That's what Scotsman would say <laughs> if they were out of whiskey. Um, okay, D- Jason. Our last thing we do here is we have to compare this movie, which is number fifty-eight on the BFI Top One Hundred to the movie that is number 58 on the AFI Top 100, the American Film Institute, and that movie is the Charlie Chaplin film, The Gold Rush. I've seen some Chaplin, but not The Gold Rush. I think you were hoping you were like, Great Dictator, I've seen it, I've seen Great great Dictator. No, this is The Gold Rush. Um, And I really, I mean, as much as I really like Man in the White Suit, I feel like I have a prejudice, because I'm like, every time there's like two great movies, I always veer towards the AFI side. I should get rid of that part of me. Well, we are we are danger. fellows from the Western Hemisphere. Uh, I, I guess technically so is England, but uh, we're from you know the far Western Hemisphere. The, no, the, I'm toxic. Just just end it now. The, Br- God save the Queen. You're Britney Spears. DMCA. I like the AFI better sometimes. Save Britney. 
Um, but I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, the gold, gold Rush is like a fucking classic chaplain. So, I mean, I have to give it to the Gold Rush. Now, does he find any gold? I think I think eventually. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think that's a real important part of the I movie. mean, it is to me. Oh, sorry. He doesn't, but he does um, eat his own shoe. Oh, so that's where that comes from. Yes, that is from that movie. Uh, nice, yep. nice. I believe. Every Looney Tunes cartoon that ever featured a hungry character. Yeah, it's got to be that movie because it's, it's not be. modern times. Yeah, it's Cold Rush. Yeah, it's Cold I Rush. I bet you nobody ate their shoe in fucking uh, The Birth of a Nation. I mean, I will never know because I don't want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the new one, right? The yeah. newer one? Okay. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's about the KKK, right? And they're the good guys? Yeah, and the director... Um, Actually, let's not talk about him. <laughs> Moving on. Um, we're going to talk about this week's movie. Um, a little Something a little different because we're going to talk about Brit Picks. And we're starting off with Kingsman, The Secret Service. So that little opening number combined with the explosions, because this movie doesn't have time for a, a song at the beginning with no action going no, on. No, absolutely not. Um, but does that mean, of course, we're talking about, like we said, Kingsman, The Secret Service, 2014, directed by Matthew Vaughn, a oh. uh, comic by Mark Miller, who is an interesting person um, who has been accused of some ists in the past. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No, no, I don't think on like a personal, I'm speaking... I'm speaking in this way in public kind of thing, but, mm. like, his comics have gotten some criticism in that regard. Yes. Uh, but we, and we'll talk about that once we get sure. to the movie. But, yeah, we're talking about Kingsman, The Secret Service. Jason, you kind of mentioned a little bit, but, like, yeah. break it down why you chose this one. Well, I chose this one simply because the the glasses, mainly. Um, That's I, it. I, this is the God saves the queen. Well, the glasses in this movie, not exactly the same, but they certainly remind me of the glasses that Michael Caine wears in Ipcrest file, and they remind me of Austin Powers' glasses, so we got some spy connections there. It's obvious that Matthew Vaughn is a fan of James Bond movies and Michael Caine and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, the, the main reason I chose is because I thought we could, you know, in the context of those movies I mentioned earlier, we have a lot to talk about. So, but, yes. but there's a few things I need to note right off the bat about my experience with this movie. So I've known this movie's existed for a while. Saw the trailer years ago. thought, oh, that does look cool. I do want to see it. Just never got around to watching it. Um, did not know this was an R-rated movie. Okay. Did not know this was an R-rated and movie. And you knew five minutes in. Five minutes in, started. yeah. When, when heads started getting fucking plugged, yeah, I knew that it was an R-rated movie. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is that I've never done heroin, um, but I imagine like, you you know, if you don't kill yourself, you can take too much heroin and it probably fucks your head up. 
We've been doing a certain level of movie heroin, Brendan. We've been watching a lot of British movies from the 60s yeah. and the 70s and the 80s. And there's a certain level that we've become accustomed to. Like a base level. A base of level of kind of energy and excitement and, and technique. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, thrusting ourselves 30, 40 years forward into yeah. 2014's Kingsman, The Secret Service. I, my my head was blown apart. There's a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> it, it is really a pace change. We took we 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 took a lot. We took we, a lot with this movie, we, and our heads were 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 mel- you know melted. <laughs> we went from a puff of a cigarette to a full bag of cocaine. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. There is this movie is brutal in yeah. parts mm-hmm. and balls to the wall for most of it. <laughs> yep, yeah. it doesn't really stop. So this movie is a classic Hollywood story. This is the story of a young boy making good. This is basically Star Wars. Basically. Basically Star Wars. You know, the guy's... Hero's Journey. Hero's Journey. You know, so we, we open up. And so we saw that title sequence there. That is a fucking great title sequence because, it, first off, it features Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, which is a fantastic song. And they are attacking a seemingly ancient Arabic-style fort in the middle of a generic Arab country. <laughs> I believe the Chiron says the Middle East, 1997. Middle East, 1997. Good time, right before Saddam Hussein and the whole weapons inspection thing. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they fly in on a helicopter, start firing missiles, and then as the music's playing and you hear those explosions, we have the titles forming from the debris that falls off the building. Yeah, and that pretty much like is the tone of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are they are cramming a lot into this, and so we learn that uh, oh, was it. Um, Harry Hart. Played by Colin Firth. Played wonderfully by Colin Firth. We've is, talked about him many times. Yes, he's been in many movies we've seen. So he's he's works for this organization called the Kingsmen, and they're on a mission, and they're trying to, I assume, torture a terrorist, uh, which is what they're doing, because they fucking sh- he shoots him in both knees yeah. when he's trying to get information out of him, and then the dude reaches down and pulls the pin out of a grenade, I guess, between his knees they missed. Yeah, and well, and then a guy comes over and jumps on him and covers yes. up the grenade the and newbie. dies. The, the newbie. The newbie in the team jumps on him and saves everybody's lives by sacrificing his own, and it turns out that that man was the father of our main character. Yes, to which Colin Firth then quickly looks over at the other man and says, well, you're Lancelot now. Yep. Meaning you've been promoted. Yeah, you've been promoted. Um, I want to round out the cast in this before we go too much further. Mm. I don't want to, obviously we'll run down like the basic, basic, basics of the plot. Yeah. Cause I don't, you know, we don't do that anymore, Jason. No, we're not going to, we're not going to go through it step by step, but I do want to round out the cast. So, um, joining Colin Firth as Harry Hart slash codename Galahad. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Mark Strong as Merlin. He's kind of the, uh, the tech guy, I guess. Although he does like see a little bit of action. Um, we have Taron Egerton, um, who, while I'm not sure if this is his debut, it was the thing that launched him. Yes, absolutely. Uh, definitely after this, he goes, you know, goes up. Does uh, you can only go from here to Robin Hood 2018, um, <laughs> a classic film that uh, no one should see. I'm sure you've done that on your other podcast. Uh, surprisingly, no. Oh wow! But hashtag coming soon. <laughs> um, we also have Michael Caine as Chester King, uh, codename Arthur. We because, can't have a spy movie without have Michael Caine in there somewhere. We gotta have Michael Caine. That's right. It wouldn't be the right thing if he wasn't there. We have uh, Samuel L. Jackson as the villain Richmond Valentine, which we'll talk about a lot, I think. Less expected to see in a movie like this. You didn't know he was in this? No, I just mean like, oh. like the idea of seeing Sam Jackson as the villain in a spy movie is, is hilarious. Well, yes, this is the first American actor I've, yeah. I've mentioned. Um, there's another one. We have uh, Sophie Cookson as Roxy, um, codenamed Lancelot later on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, one actress that I really like is Sophia Boutella. Mm-hmm. She plays Gazelle. Yes. The, with the with the razor-sharp fucking knife legs or yeah. whatever, sword legs. 
Um, Quentin Tarantino wishes he'd have thought up her. Yeah, exactly. And last but not Actually, least... Actually, no, that's not true because she doesn't have feet, so never mind. <laughs> He's like, gotta see them feet. Yeah. Last but not least, Jason, we have British actor extraordinaire Mark Hamill mm-hmm. playing Professor James Arnold in a little bit of an extended cameo, A I wonderful guess. surprise for me to be like, wait a minute, <laughs> is that Mark Hamill? <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to go right into the clip. I want to play him doing a British accent. Yeah, you got you to hear this. This is fantastic. Hello. Can I help you? Yes. I have a question about anthropogenic force. Oh, really? Well, it's actually quite fascinating. My colleague died trying to rescue you, and I'm sure you saw how well-trained he was, so I suggest you tell me who kidnapped you and why they let you go. I have no idea what to talk... I'm not supposed to say it, but it was... For God's sake, I barely touched you. Oh, man. So don't worry about the context of that mm-hmm. scene. Um, I just wanted to play the clip to give you an idea of his British accent. I mean, it's better than Richard Gere's Irish accent. Yeah, for sure. I it's mean, certainly serviceable in a movie like this. It's. Fu- I'm glad they had him. You know, and Mark Hamill is a voice actor, and he's very yeah. good at that sort of thing. Yeah, his British accent maybe isn't the best British accent. It's but, silly. Uh, it's fun. It's the right tone. And chances are, there's a lot of Star Wars fans that saw this movie. They love seeing Mark in anything, and he's such a nice guy. He's fun. I love him. I love Mark Hamill. Yeah. But anyway. please, please be on our podcast, Mark Hamill. We'll talk about your favorite British movie. Oh, good Lord. You know what? He probably has some. I'm, he must. Have you guys talked about Peeping Tom yet? Wow, you really do have a British accent. Yeah, I'm actually from Surrey. I don't know if that's what people from Surrey sound like at all. Anyway, guys, uh, the force be with you and all that, all that junk, yeah? All that, yeah, yeah? See you later, cunts. <laughs> Bye, Mark Hamill. <laughs> Wait, you're not dead. Not yet. Oh. Death comes to us all, Brendan. Let's not jinx this episode. (laughs) But yeah, that's the cast. So anyway, continue what you were saying. Oh, um... Let's go to the basics. The basics. Basics, yeah. So Taron Edgerton's character is Eggsy. Mm -hmm. Great British, uh... Great British name. Wonderfully British. So his dad dies, and his middle-class mom degenerates into a drugged-out, I guess, (laughs) lower-class mom. It's funny. It's a weird weird thing. That kind of was the first thing that kind of, like, made me kind of look funny at the at the perspective of this movie that she that there's this woman she's this like you know stand up middle class lady but then her husband dies and, and so just, that means that she turns into you know like like the most stereotypical lower class mom who's got a shitty boyfriend living in a shitty apartment with an extra kid yeah well maybe maybe that's where we should go first because if we're talking about how that's kind of you get, we kind of look at it, the movie sideways a little bit when like you know this guy dies and she immediately becomes like the worst yeah, um, well, then she degenerates. And, I mean, I understand the dramatic uh, desire to have that rivalry between him and the stepdad. Well, rivalry. The stepdad's a piece of shit. But. I get the stepdad rivalry, but I don't know why they make her so broken. Yeah. And it seems like now I'm going to say something, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, right-wing media. Hot I apologize. Take alert. Hot take alert. I don't think this movie does a very good job at female characters. No, I agree. Uh, I mean... Uh, Outside of like, well, Gazelle's cool, but that's because she's a fucking badass. And she but Gazelle, fight, but she doesn't get much that much screen time. Really, she, so, she she's great in the few things she's in, but that character there's not much to it. So Gazelle as a villain, Sophia Butella, she's she's badass and she's cool, but she's also a lackey. Yeah, like like ultimately when you look at it, loyal I mean, to the end, lackey. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, you've got the mother, who we already talked about. We've got Gazelle, who is ultimately a lackey to Sam Jackson's character. We've got um, we've got um, Roxy, who you know you think, oh, this might be this might be the one, the, at least the you know the the most uh, 
the good, the best uh, mm-hmm. female character, but she gets pretty much written out of the finale. Yeah, she's she does she serves a function, but we don't really get to see her stretch her acting legs that much. I mean, but she, I, I do like her. I, I like her. I like I like all these women. I just mm-hmm. don't. I just think their characters are pretty underwritten. And she's then probably the most written character in the movie. And then the princess, who we need to talk about at the <laughs> end, because that is yes, that is absurd. <laughs> what her what the function of her character is? I don't even. I don't. Oh man! Uh, but so, yeah, somebody played some Air Brothers the day before. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what were you going to say before we got into all that? So we talk, yeah, you're talking about the mother who just like, yeah, just completely deteriorates. So he's kind of living in a shitty situation. He's clearly been growing up like, you know, in a bit of a bad way. He's got friends, but they like kind of get into trouble and, you know, he's been into some shit before and he's got problems with people around the neighborhood and ends up at the pub and runs into one of those guys and they have a bit of a confrontation and, you know, and then they steal his car. This other dude's car. They just fucking steal his Subaru. Eggsy and his buddies steal it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do some donuts and then take off and then have a hilarious fucking backwards chase with a police car (laughs) through traffic. Again, this movie is just so balls to the wall. Like even in this very beginning when we're just setting things up, we have to have this crazy action scene. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, But entertaining as hell. And yeah, so he ends up getting arrested and going to jail. A detail at the beginning of the movie we haven't mentioned yet is that the... um, uh, that Colin Firth's character had had said to the mother, like, hey, I'm so sorry your husband died. I can't tell you why. Here's a medal. Here's a medal uh, to remember him by. And there's a number on the back there. Say a code word and call me if you ever need anything. And she's just like, I don't want anything from you. Fuck off. Yeah, I want my husband, you son of a bitch. That's right. And that's understandable. But so... Very emotional. So, of course, young Eggsy has this uh, medal around his neck. And when he's in prison, he thinks, hmm, maybe I should take advantage of this. Try and this it gets him out. Word. Yeah. And it gets him out. And he meets Harry Hart. And they go to Kingsman Tailors. And thus the training begins. And thus the induction begins, as yes. it were. Yes, he's bringing them into this cult. So let's talk about the Kingsmen for a sec. Who are the Kingsmen, Brendan? Well, they are uh, the Secret Service. They are. As, as a, a form of that. So in this movie, the Kingsman is sort of this underground, um, I guess, like, spy type thing. Uh, they're kind of like, I guess, uh, what's the British... Um, the thi- MI5? MI5. MI6. Something like that, but not run by government. Not, yeah, not known by government. Problematic thing number two. Kingsman is an organization that was set up by a bunch of rich people who were dissatisfied with the way things were going. And in the name of doing good, in their view, they established this essentially rogue spy agency to go out and do their will. So this also introduces the first of what I believe are a few times I felt like this movie has a bit of a conservative bent to it. A little bit, yeah. A little like, bit. weirdly, right? Yeah. Because I... we'll talk about the church scene later, because that's a <laughs> huge thing we need to get into. But, like, there's so much stuff in this movie where I'm like, that's a weird take. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And it's part of, I think, the interesting fabric of this And I don't movie, even, yeah. I don't even know. I don't, I'm not saying Matthew Vaughn, because he's writer-director. Yeah. I'm not saying that he necessarily feels that way. No. I mean, he's adapting a comic book, but written by a somewhat problematic guy. Hey, I, I hey, I fucking love 300. Uh, well, that's not, is that Mark Miller? No, that's Frank Miller. But Frank Miller is also somewhat problematic, especially in his uh, writings and stuff. I would say Frank Miller more problematic than yeah. Mark Miller. Oh, probably. No relation, by the way. No, Different no, spellings. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mark yeah. Miller with an A. Yeah, that's how you spell Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Zing! That's what you come here for, folks. The comedy. So this this grouping, so this rogue spy agency, which is incredibly well-funded and incredibly well-dressed. Yeah, by who, though? These rich people, I guess. Oh, okay. Because the, 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 I guess, 
the line was that these rich people had a bunch of kids that then died in World War One, and so they didn't have any heirs, so they had all this money that they couldn't pass down to their kids, so they used it to establish the spy agency. And I bet you Kingsman has made some very lucrative investments over the many years that they've been around. I mean, there's some lobbying going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, do, I do think there there is a moment, too, where um, – like we get a moment during the whole recruiting phase where where you know Harry Hart or Colin Firth is trying to recruit Eggsy. Mm. Um, do you notice that he only gets re- that he only he gets pushed by those guys at the bar, and he only really goes over the deep end when they make like a like a, a gay comment at him. Like they say, like, oh, you can get a rent boy down the street, and that's when he finally goes, okay, I'm beating all these guys up. No, that struck me as odd too. Yeah, it's weird that they would question his uh, his uh, sexuality. It, it just struck me as odd that that was the, yeah, they had to make the that thing. the yeah, comment. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it. I don't know. This is 2014. It's not like I'm like. It's not like this is like you know. Oh, it was the 90s. And this this initial fight scene too is uh, another indicator of how fucking brutal this movie is going to be because it starts yes. off with him smashing. Does he kill the dude. anyone? I don't think he kills anyone. I don't think he kills it? anyone in this scene. But uh, to be fair, we already saw we already saw the scene where um, Mark Hamill's character gets uh, his uh, head blown up. Well, no, oh, I mean yes, but I, I don't know. Have we seen that yet? We, what we do see though is when his rescue attempt early right, on, right, right. we have uh, the the former Lancelot is it Lancelot show up and attempts to. Um, rescue Mark Hamill from a bunch of these all uniformly bald thugs. I assume they're Russian because they're bald, I guess. Yes. Um, and just fucking popping heads left and right. Just boom, 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 boom. Just execution after execution after execution. It was fucking brutal. And that's that, at that point, I'm like, oh, shit. I thought this was just like a PG-13 comic book movie. No, sir. No, sir. No. This is fucking... Whoo. <laughs> and then he immediately gets sliced in half. Yeah. By, I, I, I thought of Resident Evil, although in Resident Evil, that's a laser. <laughs> that's the one good part of that movie. That, yeah. <laughs> the, that that three-minute scene is yep. the only good part of that entire franchise. Absolutely. <laughs> I watched all of those movies under oh, lockdown, wow. and I think it made me want to leave my house. That's so. unfortunate. I, I hope that doesn't turn you off of ever playing those games, because the games are quite good. Some I, of them. I, the games scare me. <laughs> I'm, I'm like legitimately tense playing those games but yeah no that's it, exactly that's what happens he um everybody gets kind of sliced up and sorry where were you gonna go with that oh, i was just gonna say that that's a that's a brutal fucking scene um yeah. I, I i may have had a point where was i going with that i don't know we don't need points man we're just here to talk about movies man yeah, points we're all rounded we're all this, rounded that's edges. the thing though and that's the thing about this movie too is there's so much going on in this movie it's hard to watch it and take notes because you look down for a second <laughs> come back up and something fucking crazy's happening like yeah Whoo! Um, well, I mean, I guess, yeah. So we, I mean, we should go over. But maybe Sam Jackson. Okay, so Sam Jackson plays a character called um, Richmond Valentine. Is yes. that right? Yeah. He and, and, and he, <laughs> Sam Jackson, who's probably in his like sixties at this point, is wearing a ball cap like a young person. Well, he's seventy-two, and this was six, <laughs> seven years ago. Well, yeah, we're in February, so we'll give him six years ago. Yeah. So I mean, sixty-six. Yeah, sixty-six. But looking a, great. Oh, I mean, yeah, Sam Jackson will never crack, as they say. He looks amazing. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, he plays the villain in this movie, which of course this is the fun twist is that normally you see uh, movies with American heroes and, and often they're British villains. And in this case we have a British hero with an American villain. So it's a fun twist. Yeah. And, and he's definitely doing, he's definitely making a lot of choices. He is. Uh, um, uh, he has a lisp. He has a lisp. Kind of sounds, he, at first he kind of made, he sounded a little bit like Ron Funches to me, although a little more 
a little higher energy. Yeah, he, he that's true. I never thought about that. <laughs> he has a lisp in the movie, and he also can't stand the sight of blood or violence. Like, he's totally adverse to that. Yeah. Like, in that scene you mentioned with Mark Hamill, um, where all those guys get, like, shot, and then, you know, uh, Gazelle, Sophia Batella, comes in and slices the yeah. Lancelot dude in half, which is, to me, almost like the movie saying, like, this isn't James Bond. No. There's not going to take a James Bond guy to solve this, no. to solve this uh, mystery. Eggsy but, is not going to get to have sex with this lady with fucking blade legs. Although... You know, never know. You never know. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, after that, she covers everyone up with a sheet yeah. and uh, makes Mark Hamill like hold the towels for her while she like you know wipes it down and stuff. And then Sam Jackson comes in, so it's already like giving him a quirk. Mm. Um, I actually just wanted. There's a clip of him on Good Morning America or the Today Show. One of those morning CBS this morning maybe Who one knows? of those um, where he talked about um, coming up with this uh, idea of his character having a lisp. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. He talks about a little bit of a, why he made that choice. Help me out here, though. You are the villain in this movie. I am. <laughs> okay. I am what's considered the villain in this movie. This yes. is this is actually the New York Times kind of put its finger on it, wrote, writing about you that your ability to imbue even the vilest characters, spouting the vilest words with a touch of humor, intelligence, and humanity is what makes you so special. And I guess that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's like this guy's really awful, but. You don't hate him, hate him, hate him. Well, you don't hate him because I mean he's a he's a colorful character. He's he's very personable, in a way. Uh, he is smart. He um, does make you laugh. Uh, he's um, um, an interesting combination of several different things. And I gave him this interesting speech pattern because he's a lisp. We just yeah, heard it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted him to be. Uh, sort of odd mm-hmm. um, and I stuttered when I was younger so people dismissed me in an interesting sort of way because I stuttered so I became smarter and better than them in other ways so I think Valentine's had that same issue that people dismissed him in certain ways until he became this billionaire and people realized he was a genius I love that. Yeah. I want to say I love that so much is that he he went out and said like because Sam Jackson like you heard in the clip he said he stuttered as a kid and people just kind of dismissed him in that way like mm-hmm. oh you know whatever um, and that's an inter- such an interesting take by giving this character something that would have made people dismiss him early on mm-hmm. and we learned another conservative bent kind of in this movie is that he's an environmentalist yes. <laughs> uh, which is which is why what makes him very interesting to me as a villain because he's not a villain that is out and out like evil he's not just no. he's not dr no I mean, those are the best kind of villains <laughs> yeah, right absolutely you got to have so, you got to have a you got to have an understanding like, of their motivation he's a guy who's become very rich through the tech sector and he's devoting a large chunk of his money to trying to figure out a way to combat global warming the breaking point in this movie comes when he realizes as far as he's concerned that that the they've already passed the point of no return yeah so the only way to deal with this, and, and, and actually this is funny because this ties into uh, Mark Hamill's character, doc, was it Dr. Arnold? Was that his yeah. name? Yeah, Dr. Arnold is a, a subscribes to something called the Gaia Theory. And the Gaia Theory, I don't know it in depth, but I think it basically alleges the ideas that the Earth is sort of a living organism and we're just living on it. So with that logic, he says, okay, so clearly we're an infection on this planet. The only way we're going to cure this and, or at least moderate this infection is to cull it. So we need to, uh, he, he, it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. There's an episode of Star Trek. I think it's called Return of the Archons. Maybe? Yes, that's correct. 
Shit, I can't remember. But uh, uh, this is like Ben Stiller's favorite episode of Star Trek, whatever it is. <laughs> As everyone knows. Yeah, and, and in that one, they have something called the Red Hour, where everybody fucking goes nuts for like 12 hours and just fucking murders each other. You know what? I think that's what it's called, because Ben Stiller has a production yeah. company called Red Hour Productions. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, can't, I can't remember if it's called Return of the Archons or if there's a different... I can't remember which episode it is, but, but you, yes, that episode. Also, calling back to movies I haven't seen, but The Purge, the idea of okay. like... So yeah, so so his plan it turns out is so yeah he can't fix the earth with money. No, but so what he does instead is he releases a free SIM card to anybody that wants it that gives them free internet access, free calling, anytime, all that, all the time. Now 2021, Jason looks back at 2014 movie and says, okay, it's 2021. I know that when you get something for free, you are the product. What is he trying to sell? Mm-hmm. Turns out it's chaos. Yeah, because his basic plan here is that he will release a signal. Uh, a wave, a, a wave or whatever that goes to a all neurological these, wave. Yeah. That goes to all these phones that have the free internet, which obviously is going to be everyone. Yes. Um, and they will just lose all inhibitions, go absolutely nuts, beat the fuck out of everyone mm. and thin out the population. Because his, like you said, his belief is that we need to thin out the population, yeah. which I mean, we are overpopulated. I don't know sure. if this is the way to go about it. <laughs> I, I think we should colonize the moon, but that's just me. Mm. Um, Jason, yeah. You and I tried that, remember? Uh, ran into so many problems from... It's very expensive. Yeah. Mm. And plus, it's a, it's, you know, it's a seven-day trip. Yeah. I'll, long... I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll call Newt let, to ask him what he thinks. Gingrich? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he had some opinions on that. <laughs> sure. Why not, Newt? Call Come back to, in. like, 2012. <laughs> That's <laughs> what happens when you're an SNL fan. You have all these weird bits of news in your head that right? you just call back to. Yeah. Yeah. If people are like, Fucking what Brandon. the fuck are you talking about? That was a thing from, like... January 28th to February 2nd. You're like me when I was a child and got all my political news from the Royal Canadian Air Force. That's the only place to get it. <laughs> so Sam Jackson, not necessarily a bad dude, but taking a bad dude's approach to uh, this problem. Yeah. So, of course, the Kingsmen are not fans of genocide. No, not in theory. Not in theory. Well, that's to be seen. I mean, the King's Man is coming out soon, and that's set in the past, so there could be a lot of genocide in that. That's the third one. Yes. There's, there's already two of these movies. Yes. Um, all three directed and written, I believe, also written uh, by Matthew Vaughn. And I also believe there's a TV show on the way as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I hope it's on some network where they like can, can do the stuff they yeah, want to do. Yeah, maybe ABC's not the place for the Kingsman, <laughs> but we'll see. Tonight, after a bre- after an old episode of Home Improvement, the, season pre- <laughs> the series premiere of Kingsman. Tune in. Special guest star, Richard Crenna. Yeah, so... Still alive? I hope so. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so the, the first kind of expression of this we get to see of this evil plan is he has to do a test, and he finds... They find a clue uh, when uh, Harry goes in to kind of recon the place, because he, he pretends to be somebody who's going to donate a bunch of money to him. Uh, yes, Sam Jackson's because we should note that this movie does an interesting thing during this time, right? Is that we have Eggsy's training stuff yes. going on. And normally, a lot of movies, I feel like the training sequences or the getting ready stuff mm. takes a long time. Mm. And it does in this movie. It's like half the movie, if yeah. not more. But the the strength of this movie, too, is that they have all this other stuff you're mentioning happening yeah. at the same time. We're, we're talking about the villain shit, but like the, there's all the training sequences and him getting ready to be an agent. We haven't even got into it yet. They're, they're going back and forth, which yeah. is nice. But uh, I, yeah, so he, he goes, he, uh, Harry pretend he gets a backstory as like some wealthy donor and he goes, he's old money and he goes and he wants to donate money to Sam Jackson and he's trying to get intelligence while he's there, but he doesn't really see anything. He doesn't get a chance to really see anything. The only thing they come across is a brochure for a church that is identified as a hate group. 
So that's their one clue that something must be involving that church. So of course he goes down to that church. And of course it's weird on. because he's probably like Sam Jackson. Why would he be in ties with this hate group? He's an yeah. environmentalist, African American man. Yeah. You know, it doesn't add up. And, and as we, as we later learned, the preacher of this church is more than willing to drop an N-bomb or two. Maybe um, we should just listen. I want to, I want to play the clip. Actually, don't keep going. Cause I, I do want to play the clip of the oh, sermon. I say, but yeah. Well, well, I want to hear some of the sermons. But yeah. He goes down to this church. He sits down in the pews and there's lots of people there. And the, the preacher is giving a sermon. And, and I just want you to listen because they do, they, they make this as hateful as possible. This is, yeah, this is them going cartoonishly all out for sure. Although maybe not that far off from some of them. I can tell you that. Not yeah. And I say to you, bear witness. Watch the news. Watch the news, AIDS, floods, the blood of the innocent spilled, and yet there are those who doubt this is the wrath of God. Our filthy government condones sodomy, divorce, abortion, and yet some still doubt this is the work of the Antichrist. Want to talk about? So obviously we hear they're very much like these. These are not good people. Blah blah blah. I do want to talk about this scene in depth though, mm. because this is a very controversial scene. This <laughs> really? caused a lot of controversy at the time. This is one of the most, um, just statistically, I think this is one of the most violent scenes in any movie. It has to be. Yeah, it has to be. It's this... shot beautifully. Like the, oh, yeah. the the technical behind it is wonderful. Now in this scene, like you mentioned, there Colin Firth is going to this church. Hmm. Um, this is where Sam Jackson is going to test, quote unquote, his uh, his wave or whatever, right? Yep. So he sets it off. And everyone in the church, including Colin Firth, because he doesn't want to actually kill people. No. Like, not in this way. Despite the, what these people are, he's not going to go and murder them, right? Yeah. But everybody just has that 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 nerve that comes over yeah. them, and everybody starts, like, acting violent now, towards this, each other. This all kicks off. He's he's starting to leave. So we had a great little scene where he there was a woman beside him, and she was saying something, and he went on this long rant that ended with, uh... I have to go see my gay black boyfriend go or something my, like that. Yeah, I go see my gay black boyfriend and have an abortion and whatever. Yeah, and then he's yeah. like... Uh, and, Hail Satan and have a lovely day. And yeah. he stands up and goes to leave and she like follows after him and he's and she's like, He's a he's a bad one. Blah, blah, blah. And then she he turns around and then the signal goes off. And it starts getting into people's heads and he fucking pulls his gun out and puts it to her head and blows just fucking shoots her in the head, just executes her right there. And ev- chaos. Chaos ensues. Everybody's fighting everybody else. It's- and Colin Firth, remember, is a Kingsman, so he has some incredible fighting skills and is just working his way through the room. Yeah. One so, at a time. Stab, stab, shoot, stab, back, fuck. Fucking throws a guy into a wall. We see his body bend oh, his, in a yeah. fucked up way we as see he slams him into the wall. Neck, like, like bend. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so this scene, at the t- I remember at the time when I saw this movie, I remember the controversy about this scene coming out. I remember the articles about it. And I remember me thinking like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's another case of like people being like, oh, it's so violent. Yeah. Oh, we don't like yeah. violence. Yeah. But I think now... I have a slightly different perspective on it. Having seen it for the first time, I was a little shocked by how violent this scene was. And then they, they went to town on these uh, uh, right-wing uh, fucking nut jobs that for me as a person, through my view, I have no problems with this scene, like morally, I guess, because it's like, oh, a bunch of assholes getting murdered. I don't mind that. But yeah. at the same time, it's like... <laughs> He massacres these people. They, they a lot of them kill each other, but he certainly kills the lion's share of them. <laughs> yeah, my weird, my thing though, my thing that makes this whole thing weird is the tone of the scene. Yeah, because we clearly see that he does not want to do any of the stuff he's doing. Mm. This is like taking over his mind. It should be like 
fucking harrowing. Mm. Like, after this, he should be like, oh my god, what have I done? But they make it... But Matthew Vaughn, I think the weakness here is that... Matthew Vaughn is just like, well, it's an action scene. It's fun. He fetishizes it. it yeah. yeah. And and interestingly, and I don't know if this is a specific callback or not, but you've seen The Devil's Rejects, right? Yes. Yes. At the end of The Devil's Rejects, we have that famous, amazing scene where they go down in a fucking hail of gunfire. Uh, although they don't because they're in a further movie. Don't watch it. It's, <laughs> oh, is it bad? terrible. That's a shame because I love Devil's Rejects. Ugh. Uh, and House of Thousand Corpses isn't bad either, but um, yeah. So they so they use Freebird, and and I, I thought it was great. Like like on a purely technical movie making level, it was a fantastic use of that sound, yeah, uh, and that song and that violence and everything. Like it worked really well. And I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's specific calling back Devil's Rejects, but I got that same vibe. But man, it's just it's so much. And it, this thing goes on for a while too. It's just like, yeah, and like I. The tone is so weird for me. Mm, yeah. Like, I'm watching this, and, and like, there is, like, Colin Firth is, like, shooting, like, people. And shooting, like, yeah. females, like, yeah. point blank in the oh, head. Yeah. Like, stabbing them, punching them. It's yeah. brutal. It is brutal. And, yes, the the tone of it from the way Free, the Freebird solo, which is a fucking rock and solo, right? The tone of it is almost celebratory. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it, it feels like it should be darker for what's see, happening. See, I get... Uh, now, change the story a little bit. Yeah. Say these guys were, like... The evil organization. Yeah. That would be different. Fine. But these people, as hateful and as shitty as they are, these are just regular people. These aren't, they aren't involved in this whole thing. They're yeah. just, ca- you know, collateral. They're fucking collateral damage! Uh, in this situation. I love how you go from 11 to 1. <laughs> yeah, the tone is all weird for me. And, like, I don't know if you know this, Jason, but a few years after this movie came out, Donald Trump was the president, of mm. course, as I we all know. That. Yeah, remember that yeah. nightmare world? Mm. Um, and uh, somebody posted, I don't think they ever really found out who it was, or it was just like a weird Twitter user, but somebody posted this scene and inserted Donald Trump's head over Colin Firth, and then everybody he's killing and brutalizing are like CNN, ABC, like like media logos, mm. and also like other politicians like Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. It was a very, it was very macabre. Yeah, it's still happening in a church. It was so brutal. Yeah, it was so brutal that even the Trump campaign was like, uh, no, (laughs) get get this away. Like, we have weird, we do not endorse this. We do not like this. So, I mean, even, even, like, even they were Mm. like, this is horrible. And it just, at the time, also when that happened, people were just like, uh, a lot of the response was, um, well, why was it perfectly fine when it happened in the movie when it was happening to uh, church-going folks? And I'm like, number one, they're supposed to be a hate group. This is not just like church-going folks. Number two, they're all fictional. And number, well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, you know, they have that argument where like, well, why are liberals okay with it when it's this? Number one, it's a hate group. Yeah. And number two, based on what I've read, people were not 100 percent okay with this scene, even when it originally happened, mm. as for the reasons we went on about. Yeah, as a person who considers themselves an anti-theist, I don't. I, it's not even that I just am not religious. I actively think it's harmful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's still shocking for me to watch this scene because it's not. It's not a shot against the religion itself. It's just murdering all these people that have families and lives and yeah, fictional, fictional jobs. Exactly. Like it's just. It's the, the, yeah. It's just weird. It. It. it, it now I get again it. technically. Wonderfully well shot scene. Oh, absolutely fantastic scene from start to finish. As Choreography, amazing. Oh yeah, amazing. So much work went into this thing. It took them like a week to film it, as I understand. Yeah. Um, and and I get. I guess you could argue that from the perspective of this sort of liberal tech lord, that yes, that he maybe would angle at a church, perhaps somebody who's uh, maybe more anti theistic than I am. Although it's never clear that he's specifically anti theistic. But it's just I, I can understand Sam Jackson's character being like, ah, oh, fuck these people. And again, it's another. <laughs> it's another 
it's another just time back into that weird thing where they made their villain an environmentalist. And I yeah. know, well, I know and there's also, more I know there's more to him than remember that. Remember too, the preacher said the N-word twice. Okay? So I can see why Sam Jackson maybe doesn't like him. Oh sure. I'm not saying He's I'm like, not- that's my word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Mine saying, alone. Oh, by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, you have to see that Sam Jackson interview where the guy, where he tells the interviewer, he's like, go ahead, say it. <laughs> he says like, no, I, I, I'm gonna, I can't do that. He's like, no, what word? Say it. Say it to me. <laughs> tell me. I'm like, don't fall for the bait. No. Don't fall for that. <laughs> I, I like the interview where he's mistaken for Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, poor. Say he's not happy about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anyway... Church scene aside, that that scene also leads to Colin Firth's character's death because uh, Sam Jackson is waiting outside and his you know he shoots him in the head but looks away because he can't stand the sight of blood. Yeah, what and the, reacts realistically to some extent where he shoots him. He's like, oh, oh god, oh, oh, oh is he is he dead? Is he dead? And so- Sophia ah. Butella has that great deadpan line where it's like, yeah, that usually happens when you shoot someone in the head. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, Jason, that he's not dead. Oh, because he does come back in the sequel? And it's not a spoiler because it was literally advertised in the trailer. <laughs> um, they do that bullshit thing that sequels do where they go back, they backtrack. They're uh-huh. like, well, we really want to get Colin Firth back, so we'll just say he didn't die. He just he just got plugged in the head and then you went see into a coma? get shot in the face. Like, he yeah. is deader than dead, and yeah, it's bullshit. Anyway, just wanted to mention It's that. the same reason they blew up the Death Star in the first Star Wars, because they didn't know. <laughs> right, right. They didn't know they were coming back. That's right. That's why they rebuilt it in the third one. They're like, oh, Death Star again? That's right, because if you reboot Star Wars, you put the destruction of the Death Star at the end of the third movie. Yeah. And I'm advocating for that. Okay. Reboot Star Wars. Come at me, Again? (laughs) No, straight from the beginnings. New cast, new everything. Do it. Excuse me, I think you should write the three movies that just happened out of canon. And every role would be played by a white man so that we can make the most money. Even Princess Leia. Too many women. Too many women and minorities. Not in my Star Wars. Prince Leo. Prince Leo. DiCaprio. Into the garbage chute, flyboys. Oh, my God. Um, What the hell were we talking about? I don't know. Uh, well, we were talking about that scene. Uh, was, you know, we should probably talk a bit about what Eggsy's doing. We can't focus on Harry the whole time. Oh, that's that fucking amazing scene. So we, we, we Amazingly have, problematic scene. Yeah. So, of course, Eggsy is brought into this program. Uh, he's introduced to his fellow competitors. Only one is going to get a slot. Um, and, and guys, I apologize if we haven't talked about the female characters a lot. This movie doesn't talk about the female yeah, characters we, a lot. Yeah, we mentioned that earlier. Yeah, they're, they're very... Briefly used. But Roxy is one of the other. Roxy is one. Of, she, she, There's two women, I think, in the group. Yeah, one ends up being a spy, yeah. and she faked her death. Fakes her death for, yeah. the, purposes for the purposes of the exercise. Of, of intimidating them or whatever. But they, they pull what, uh, what in Star Trek, Starfleet Academy likes to pull on their uh, uh, students. They like to do psychological fucking tests on them. So they put them in a, the barracks. They all sleep for the night. But during the night, they just dump a whole bunch of water in there, fill the whole room up, and are like, okay, go ahead and get out. And so most of them figure out that if you, uh, I guess if you put a hose through a U-bend in a toilet, you can get air. Yeah, it's like the shower heads. Yeah. But you... but Taryn Edgerton's character, Eggsy, Eggsy is more action-based and he's trying to get the fuck out. And he's the one who figures out if they smash the uh, two-way uh, mirror, they can drain the water out and survive. Did you, did you get the sense, though, that, um, I don't know, this reminded me kind of of Men in Black. Hmm. for the training sequence just because it's it's eggsy going for like the most like everyone's going for like you know in men in black when they're all doing their exams and yeah. they're trying to like write them on their laps and they're all awkward and everything and hmm. will smith just drags the table over mm-hmm. that just reminds me of that a little bit because yeah. eggsy is like okay well you all are getting air but i'm gonna look for the most quick logical solution to this yeah um but of course it, 
The he, mistake they make is that they don't work together. They don't work as a team, and that results in the fake death of one of them. That's right, and they're all very sad. Yeah. So that actually, then that that ties into we mentioned the body bags. Uh, well, we didn't mention it yet, but one of the clips we have the body bags. Would you like to hear about the body bags? Well, this is yeah, this is how Merlin uh, Mark Strong, who for many years I thought was Stanley Tucci. <laughs> yeah, he um, does look like a buff Stanley Tucci, doesn't he? <laughs> right. I thought the same thing. He he explains to the new recruits um, the the process and and brings out the body bags. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Merlin. You are about to embark on what is probably the most dangerous job interview in the world. One of you, and only one of you, will become the next Lancelot. Can anybody tell me what this is? Yes. Body bag, sir. Correct. Charlie, isn't it? Yes, sir. Good. In a moment, you will each collect a body bag. You will write your name on that bag. You will write the details of your next of kin on that bag. This represents your acknowledgement of the risks that you're about to face, as well as your agreement to strict confidentiality, which incidentally, if you break, will result in you and your next of kin being in that bag. Is that understood? Excellent. Fall out. So yeah, there's that scene, and then of course we get the scene where they all—they're um, all. There's three of them left at some point, and it's like Eggsy, uh, this guy Charlie, and Roxy, and they're all told to go hit on this blonde girl at the bar. And me, of course, watching this at the time, I was like, "Ooh, Roxy's gonna hit on her, eh?" <laughs> I was like 17. Um, no, I wasn't. I was 27. Oh, good <laughs> lord, I'm old, Jason. Oh, I'm you so poor old. thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, they they all like go to hit on her, and they're all they've all been drugged, yeah. and uh, then they have this uh, simulation. We don't know it's a simulation, um, where they're tied up on the on the, the tracks like the, the subway. I thought it was yeah, because at first I'm like, wait, so their their job is to fuck this girl? That's their objective? And then of course, yes, yeah, so they sway it and it goes the other way. But yes, they're tied to a train track. Yeah, and and see, and the, the task is they see if they'll give anything up yeah. basically. And uh, Exy does not, and then turns out it was just a test. Roxy does not, but Charlie is only too quick to give up mm. everything, uh, so he's kicked out. That's what happens when you're an upper-class twit in these sorts of situations. Yeah, and then we see him later as, like, one of Sam Jackson's party goers. Yeah, because he's from a rich family, and he was one of the people that had access to this safe house that yeah. uh, Sam Jackson set up. Oh, we didn't mention that whole thing um, as well, because Sam Jackson, not only is he going to send out this signal that makes everyone beat mm. each other up, but he's also getting politicians and people on his side, including, I swear to God, it was Barack Obama. <laughs> I swear. Him? Because they have, a, they have a scene where Sam Jackson is talking to someone and then they pan, pan out and it's the White House is right there. And the guy yes. that he's talking to... The back of his head does look like Obama. It does look a lot like Obama, whose head we see blow up later, which yeah. uh, caused another little bit of a thing. <laughs> because they were like, why are you making it look so much like the real president? So that's but, the other thing, too. So, yeah, he brings these rich people to this place, but, but on the agreement that they put a chip in their head. Chip in their head, which they don't know that he can just explode if he wants yeah he can battle royal them he can just blow their fucking heads off but the chip is meant to protect them from the signal yes and not make them go insane and of course he's picked like the rich and wealth the wealthy and you know the powerful which again is another weird thing that we make him this environmentalist guy it's like yeah but he still only really cares about the rich exactly the people he knows and, and relates to yeah yeah he's been rich for too long this is a conservative problem. film jason <laughs> to some extent um yeah, so we talk about the training. I want to talk about the 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 scene between um, Sam Jackson and Colin Firth hmm. when they have their first meeting. They have their first meetup, and they're talking about old spy movies. I just yes. want to play that for a second. All right. 
You like spy movies, Mr. DeVille? Nowadays, they're all a little serious for my taste. The old ones. Marvelous. Give me a far-fetched theatrical plot any day. <laughs> the old Bond movies. Oh, man. Oh, when I was a kid, that was my dream job. Gentleman spy. I always felt the old Bond films were only as good as the villain. As a child, I rather fancied a future as a colorful megalomaniac. What a shame we both had to grow up. Bon appetit. Just give me a couple of days to think over your proposal. I have my people get in touch with yours, and it's all good. And thank you for such a happy meal. So, this movie takes an interesting point of view on that, because we, have, we also have Michael Caine, mm. who plays Arthur. He's yeah. like the head of the Kingsman, who has a very like traditionalist viewpoint Ultimately, we find out he's a turncoat. Yes. So kind of straying from that. But um, we also have Colin Firth, who basically says, like, don't stand in the way of progress. Mm. Which I feel like we talked about on a recent movie at some point. Like, some some recently. Oh, probably. Yeah, I don't know what it was. But anyway, um, so it, it, it makes me think. Oh, like, maybe Man in the White Suit, to some extent? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was Man in the White Suit. That was last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's interesting because, like, it, it like what kind of... Like, what do you think the point of view of this movie is? Like, do you think it's like, uh, you know, th- this is obviously a movie that goes above and beyond what these movies usually are. These hmm. spy movies. This yeah. is balls to the wall, like you said, nonstop. Um, but Sam Jackson, you know, is reminiscing about the, or they're both reminiscing about the old spy movies. Yeah, about the sillier ones. I assume they're both th- thinking of Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> the only spy movie for me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, yes, and, and the comment on the modern James Bond movies being much darker and grittier and grounded yeah. than traditionally they were. That, yeah, I never thought. I guess I never thought about that too. Yeah, they are. They they, they do kind of make the the point that yeah. maybe those ones aren't their favorites. Well, and then of course later on. So let's mention briefly the dog. Um, uh, Taron Edgerton. All of them have to have dogs at some point to take care and of. And he has an adorable little pug. He has an adorable little pug that he calls JB. And uh, James Bond. No. Uh, 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 Jason Bourne, nope. Uh, Jack Bauer, yes. And but but you think about like the newer Bond movies. You think about the Bourne movies, very gritty, very realistic. And then Jack Bauer, twenty four, also that way too. So yeah. he's kind of in that modern kind of more gritty thing as a comment against those older Bond movies and and the sillier stuff that has been done over the years. So, Even yeah. Austin Powers, I suppose, which is silly. And yeah, I guess Exy kind of takes the more modern viewpoint yeah. on that. Well, and that's the thing. And interestingly, um, on the Kingsman website, as I understand, there's a, a list of what the gentleman's code is of mm-hmm. how to be a Kingsman, and Eggsy follows none of them. <laughs> Did you sign up? <laughs> no, I just I read it on Wikipedia, I think. Are you going to become a Kingsman? <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about it. Okay. Uh, I would love to have a bespoke bulletproof suit. Yes. Also, what I mentioned about the dog, though. Yes, what happens to that dog? Well, the, the one of the final tests is that he goes to meet Michael Caine, and Michael Caine hands him a pistol and says, kill the dog. Now, when you saw this, Jason, because you were watching this movie for the first time, yeah. did you think this is a legit thing he had to do? I feel like I've seen something like this in other movies. Okay. Um, the the psychological test of forcing you to like raise a dog and bond with it and then murder it, like yeah, that's a that seems like to be the sort of thing the test to see if you can follow orders uh, despite your emotions and do what needs to be done. Um, and then also the fact that we later learned that there was blank in the gun. Yeah. And of course, Iggy won't do it. But Roxy does. Roxy does. But of course, the dog does not. Dog die. doesn't die. Yeah. 
Uh, and we learn that later when he shows him, when Colin first shows him his dog, who he has stuffed on a shelf. And he's like, you murdered your dog and stuffed him? And he's like, no, he died of uh, pancreatitis 11 years ago. Yeah. Uh, there was a blank in the gun, you idiot. <laughs> so he blows his chance at being a Kingsman based on that. He won't kill the dog. As would I. Yeah, it'd be a really hard thing to do, uh, for sure, depending, I guess, on how much you wanted it. Clearly, Roxy wanted it more. I, I would not be able to do it. Yeah. Straight up. That would be the end of my, that would be the end of my training. Yeah. So we, what were we talking about before the dog? <laughs> No, we're talking about the uh, the whole thing with the old spy movies. Yeah, the old spy movies. So yeah, and did this movie feels like almost so this? Yeah, I was saying. So we have these greedy spy movies that are kind of the the thing right now from Casino Royale, Born and Twenty Four. I guess the TV show, but like and Mission Impossible, even to some extent. Like it's it's yeah, not those it's out the there, f- but it's not it's not like it's not like Moonraker. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Mission Impossible though. Out of all of those, I think more is in the more towards the camp. Sure. This movie feels like a, a total reaction against those sorts of movies. Though. Yeah. It's going completely the other way. It's going completely over the top, completely bombastic. But again, not not in a dumb way like Moonraker, but in an entertaining way. Right. <laughs> Moonraker. We're taking, oh. you, taking you to task. Taking you down, Moonraker. You and your fucking pigeon double take. <laughs> don't don't try to tell me that's not the best moment in the, Bond, in the Bond franchise. It's certainly the best moment in that movie. One more thing um, I want to talk about that actually this ties into the the ties to the old Bond movies is don't you find that like um, Sophia Boutella who plays Gazelle hmm. she's like the henchman or whatever she's kind of a callback to those like Bond henchmen like if Jaws she, or Odd Job or Jaws odd, is the one I thought of although I can say she certainly gets more dialogue I think than in just about any of them. Yeah, I, I think what just reminded me was the whole like thing where her legs she had like those swords on her legs. It just reminded me of Jaws a little bit yeah. in the sense that he, the, the henchman with like the extra thing, you know, like, mm. <laughs> although unlike Grace Jones, she does not sleep with Eggsy. No, no. And it's unfortunate, but understandable. That would be, a, <laughs> that could be a brutal, brutal session. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Eggsy gets his, we'll get there. She gets uh, a lot of fun stuff to do though. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Phys- physicality. Oh yeah, so much cool fucking leaping around and slicing and shit. Like it's it's and entertaining I, as hell. I do kind of dig her relationship with um with, with Sam Jackson's character. Mm. It, it, like we talk about the church scene, of course, a lot. Um, but when that's happening, Sam Jackson is like watching. The, there's footage he mm. has set up, and he's like, I can't watch this, like because he can't watch violence or blood, yeah. right? And so she's watching for him, yeah. and she has that whole thing where she's like, Oh, I never thought it was gonna work on anyone and, or on everyone. And then the later scene where he ends ends up shooting Colin Firth and you know she's like Did it, didn't it feel good to do that and he's like no it didn't fucking feel good I just killed someone and she's like you just killed like 200 people in that church she's like but I didn't do that yeah. so I, I think their back and forth is kind of fun I'm actually I would be kind of interested I, mean, I don't know if the comics delve into it at all I'd be interested to know what her backstory is to know why she's so loyal to Sam Jackson god damn it Jason do you work for George Lucas <laughs> get me that prequel I'm working on a Daxter Jackster uh, feature-length film. It's uh, going to come out in 2024. Uh, my, my next my next Star Wars film is going to feature the backstory of a character you all uh, know and love, a Sebulba. George, it's Michael Eisner. I know I don't work for Disney anymore, but I got to tell you, you don't own that. You can't uh, do that. I'm just I'm just going to do it anyway. All right. Well, good luck. If you need help, uh, I know a lawyer. His name's oh, Rudy. I, I oh he's I heard he's great, but uh. I don't want to slander George like that. <laughs> George, you're slowly turning into Jimmy Stewart. I don't know what's going on. I, I heard he's great, but uh, could, could I, Michael, uh, could I get a Coke Zero? You want sugar in that? Uh, oh, I'm just kidding. It's just me. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, I love you. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Hey, fellas, how you doing? You're recording another po- episode of the podcast? 
Look, I got to go have a power lunch, but uh, reserve me a spot Republican heaven because I'll probably be there Got Get Eiser off the phone. I'm talking to these fellas right here. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, how you doing, fellas? Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, why did you interrupt our podcast with uh, your dumb bit? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was the Kingsman Secret Service. It got me all jacked, and my 11-inch penis is hard as a rock. That's a fact I didn't know. Oh, uh, well, you know, it's, uh, it's Jimmy's hog. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what you drinking there, boys? Uh, <laughs> Look, why don't you go back up and compare your dick with Uncle Milty and leave us alone, Jim. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to you when we need you, but we're in the middle of something. He keeps stealing all my best bets. I know. He only takes out enough. Anyway, uh, well, okay, I'll get going. I just want to say that I also watched this movie and, uh, oh, that church scene, eh? Doodles. Jimmy Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. Always down for some fun. Yes. So this was a movie we watched. <laughs> Wait, are we just starting the episode? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, the, the, I don't even, like, we talked a little bit about the plot. I don't even know if we need to talk about that much. But it ends like you think it ends. Well, we, we talk about the ending scene. We, of course, we have the great action scene. They, they get in that cool plane uh, that apparently is VTOL. It looks like a Learjet or something, but it's VTOL. Oh, and they kind of write Roxy out of the finale because her whole thing is that she's sent up to disrupt the satellites. They give her a special big girl's job. <laughs> yeah. It feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah. And she disrupts the satellite. She blows it up, but she also like kind of fails in a way, but you know, lands safely. But then she's just kind of away just, from the action. Her last act really in the movie is to call um, uh, Eggsy's mom and say, hey, by the way, you, know, oh. no, you don't know me. But this you wife. should you should lock your baby in the bathroom and put the key in with her. And and Eggsy's mom was like, "All right, okay, that's all right. I'll do that." <laughs> well, because of this, this Wi-Fi signal is going to send everyone yeah. insane. And the mom almost murders that baby with an axe. She fucking Jack Torrance is that door. She is going yeah. through with a fucking knife trying to get to that baby to kill it. And that poor baby sits there and cries. Jason, I just realized the other character we have to talk about is the princess. Yeah, the princess. Well, let's just finish. So we'll talk about the so okay. the, the princess, the Swedish princess. Okay, is is uh, with the Swedish prime minister. They want her on board. She refuses to go along with all is this. Is he Swedish? Yes. Because he says he's a Republican. I mean, Swedish Republicans, maybe. Okay. I don't know. But the, he he, he's the guy that's on the laptop, the uh, Terran hacks. Yeah, yeah. So he's a Swedish prime minister. He's there with the Swedish princess, and she won't go along with it. So she he won't go along her. with this whole plan of the Wi-Fi thing, making everyone go yeah. crazy and saving the rich. So in wonderful James Bond fashion, uh, uh, Valentine has this fucking or is it Valentine or Valentino? Valentine. Valentine. Valentine has this like <laughs> layer carved into the side of a, a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> with a with a plane runway that is a cave, <laughs> which I, I gotta respect any pilot that can thread that fucking needle. Um, but yeah, so, and she is locked in a prison that is, you know, rock prison underground because she won't comply with everybody else who won't comply. All the rich and elite people that he figures he might need, but he doesn't want to kill. Yeah. So it puts them in there. And so, yeah, so they show up and they need to get in. They need to hack the system and stop this from happening. And it eventually ends up with uh, uh, Eggsy murdering a lot of people and then getting into a wonderful fight with uh, Gazelle that eventually ends in her death. Yeah, because he kills her with that little poison knife in his shoe. Yeah, which I thought, oh man, Kingsman, yeah, you got all this stuff about being a gentleman. You poisoned somebody. That's cold. That's like, a, I get a, it. It's, it's a effective. slow death. It's effective, but poisoning was banned by the, like, the, the fucking, like, some of the earliest war crimes conventions in the world using poison bullets and shit. It's so Margaret, that is a war crime, Brendan. It's Margaret Thatcher's murder squad. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. We stopped the assassination of Margaret Thatcher. Oh, I don't think everybody will thank you for that. <laughs> there is that line. <laughs> hey, a great let line. me that one in, I guess. So. Yeah. 
And that's and, and that's the other thing too is there's a little bit of class conflict in this movie too between yeah. you know Taron Egerton's clearly from a lower class place at that point and the Kingsman has this veneer of aristocracy so it's understandable why he kind of doesn't trust them at first uh, they do seem a bit uppity so anyways at the end of the movie yeah he kills everybody there's all this death going on and then he fucking um, they manage to stop this before it happens and he <laughs> using one of uh, Gazelle's legs he fucking does a full javelin throw and stabs Sam Jackson in the back with it and he falls down to the floor and we get a great moment where he goes, aren't you going to say one of those uh, puns, one of those great puns before I get before I die? And he's like, it's uh, not that kind of movie, which is a callback to a line Sam Jackson says to or he, doesn't to he Colin say Perth as a friend of mine said, uh, uh, it's not that kind of movie. And he's yeah. like, ah, perfect. And then he dies happy. Yeah. So he gets a happy death. He gets the line he wants. But but it's pun intended. <laughs> um, so earlier when we saw him run by the princess, Eggsy. Eggsy, uh, uh, he stopped, he checked to see she was in. She's like, let me out of here, let me out of here. And he's like, uh, okay. Um, I'll save you. And she's I'll like, I'll you. give you a kiss if you save me. He goes, and then, oh, and then later on he says, I have to say, I have to go save the world. And she's like, I'll do more for you than a kiss if you save the world. Uh, she literally says, I'll do it in the asshole. Yeah. Which <laughs> is cut in some DVD releases of this movie. Not on Disney Plus, baby. Nope. <laughs> it's in there its entirety. That anal sex joke on Disney Plus is right there for you. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, doing it in the asshole. And then the end of the movie, he comes back with like wine or whatever. And we just see a close up of her butt and Merlin going, oh dear. Because he can see it on camera. Mer- you, see, you see a little more than her butt my friend if you look that, close that's true um so i mean we talk about female representation i think that might be the worst one i think that was the best representation in this movie oh oh oh, oh andrew dice clay does. oh that bitch she had a clock in her room and showed her ass oh fuck that mouse get the fuck out of here oh jetpack i hope so <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I think that is the that is the worst one because I mean, it, it, it's, essentially, it, she's boiled down to she is what the hero gets. Yes, yes, it, it was very much that the, that he's the, she is the reward for his good actions at that and, point. And it's, yeah, it's a weird thing too, where it's like, uh, ladies, you don't have to make this promise to anyone. True, uh, but at the same time, I suppose you could argue it is a twist on the classic like formula because you know James Bond when he gets the girl they like have a kiss and the camera pans away. She literally is like, "Let's do it into asshole," and you see her ass. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I respect that. Just it's like, well, fuck it. Let's just blatantly show what's going to happen. Let's not fuck around. Let's not do any of this horseshit sixties fucking pull away crap. My friend, we're going to do this right. And he did. And like it or hate it, it's there. It is. It's yeah. there right in front of you. Right in front of your fucking face. But yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's Kingsman. Um, Jason, maybe at this point we should take a break. Sure. And uh, before come, Bits and Bobs? Come back. Yeah. We'll right. take a break. Come back with your Bits and Bobs. Right. Is this the tradition of what we've done for the last few months? Look, I don't pay attention to all this. You're the producer. I'm just the talent. Uh, so we'll be right back. Age of Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
There's a man who's got some bips and bobs. That's me. Jason's got some bits and bobs for you. You'll see. Well, every bit and bob. An interesting thing you'll learn. And if you don't believe him, he'll put you in an urn. Yeah, I will burn you alive. Secret bits and bobs. Jason's bits and bobs. And take away your name. Now we just went to the real song. Did you ever think that, that he was singing Secret Asian Man? I did every time. And how do you hide time. that? That's my question. <laughs> my- <laughs> oh, I wrote my first bit in Bob, by the way, is Michael F- uh, Michael Firth. Colin Firth it reminds me of Michael Caine in his performance. Yeah, yeah, he's he's clearly watched uh, Ipcress or Bullet to Beijing or something beforehand. <laughs> yeah, the made-up movie yeah. Bullet to Beijing. <laughs> Wasn't that one of the ones? Wasn't he in one of the TV ones, something like that? Oh, maybe it was called yeah. that. I could be full of shit. So, uh, uh, Sweet Dire Straits are cool titles. We talked about that, but you can never go wrong with money for nothing and the chicks for free. Yep. Um, when he gives him that medal, it's only a brief scene. He hands it to him, but I all I could think of was Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction handing him the fucking watch. Hit it in his ass. <laughs> this is from your dad's ass. This medal. The, there's one scene where there's a bunch of hologram holograms of all the an- angels. What is wrong with me? There's, scene, there's one scene at the uh, at the big table where they have holograms of all the agents sitting there, mm. and I got so much white guy face blindness. Yes, yeah, like I was like, I, at first I thought, is this supposed to be the same person? They all look like Michael Caine in 1965. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved if they just put like different versions of Michael Caine from different movies in there. By the way, love their glasses. I want a pair of those with the full-on heads-up display. That's fucking cool. <laughs> One of these days. Uh, I wrote down Jesus finger. I don't know what that means. Don't know. I wrote down uh, that there's a scene where Eggsy is joyriding and they see a fox and he purposely moves out of the way to avoid hitting it Aww. which is a nice little foreshadowing Foreshadow. of how he won't kill the dog he later. likes animals yeah oh what a guy it's a real save the cat moment uh just mentioned michael kane we haven't talked a lot about michael kane in this movie but it, it, uh, just he's michael kane he's great he's wonderful to see there his whole performance is just sitting at that table yeah right? no it was clear they shot it in a day or two yeah. but it was fine i was glad to have him because He's so good, and and the fact that he was in Austin Powers, and now he's in this, it's like he's a, he's spy royalty because Sean Connery was an asshole and was done with acting. <laughs> J- Jason, maybe we <laughs> fuck you for being done with acting. Well, he's an <laughs> asshole for other reasons. Too. Oh yeah, um, I know it's a little bit of a lengthy scene, but maybe we should hear that scene because we didn't talk a lot about Michael Caine, like mm. you said. Maybe we should hear the scene where um, Eggsy discovers that Michael Caine is on the take, and uh, and and tricks him. Rare bits and bobs clip, folks. Can you guess what this is? I don't have to. Harry showed me. You click it, I die. I thought that brandy tasted a bit shit. (laughs) Bravo. Valentine won you over. Somehow. Once he explained, I understood. When you get a virus, you get a fever. That's the human body raising its core temperature to kill the virus. Planet Earth works the same way. Global warming is the fever. Mankind is the virus. We're making our planet thick. A coal is our only hope. If we don't reduce our population ourselves, there's only one of two ways this can go. The host kills the virus, or the virus kills the host. Either way, the result is the same. The virus dies. So Valentine's gonna take care of the population problem himself. Well, if we don't do something, nature will. Sometimes the culling is the only way to ensure that the species survives. And history will see Valentine a 
as the man who saved humanity from extinction. And he gets to pick and choose who gets culled, does he? All his rich mates, they get to live, and anyone he thinks is worth saving, he's keeping them safe, whether they agree with him or not. And you, Exy, in Harry's honor, I am inviting you to be part of a new world. It's time to make your decision. I'd rather be with Harry. Thanks. So be it. <laughs> the problem with us common types is that we're light-fingered. Kingsman's taught me a lot, but Sleight of hand. Yes, they're uh, founder members. I had that down already. You dirty little fucking prick. Yes, we got it. I just wanted you to hear, <laughs> you dirty fucking prick. Um... <laughs> So in that scene, we should kind of explain a little bit, but basically Michael Caine has set up to poison Eggsy with this device where it's not poison unless he pushes the button on this little device. On the pen, yeah. On the pen. But Eggsy, knowing full well ahead of time that something is up, has switched the glasses and Michael Caine has drank his own poison and then poisoned and then killed himself. Good movie death for Michael Caine. Yeah, and, and we were talking about during the clip, but you were pretty surprised that he turned, right? Yeah, I was, but but at the same time, it makes sense that, you know, that, that character could turn, but like, and maybe this is not in the movie very much, you know, he was no. there for a day, so yeah. Like, and maybe this is the movie's way of acknowledging the, leaving the past behind a little bit. Ipcress is dead, long live Kingsman. Right, <laughs> right. Or I should say... Because uh, Ipcress doesn't have any ridiculous scenes, certainly not any uh, light shows or anything. What's Austin's father's name? Oh, I don't even know. Austin's even father. Yeah, in, in Austin Powers. Yeah, right? I yeah. said it. She shat on a turtle. It's a great Michael Caine performance. Thank you. <laughs> well, that and the Michael Caine performance from oh, that movie. I thought you were thanking me for my impression I'm also thanking you. Okay. Continue right. with your bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. My Fair Lady. Oh, so, yeah, my yeah, he makes a reference to My Fair Lady. He, like, goes through all these British movies. Eggsy does. Eggsy does. Uh, or what? Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, Colin Firth goes through. What does he say? He's I like, forget what movie. my best friend's wedding. No, no, he says, like. Oh, you ever see A, a Pretty Woman? Mm. And then he goes through, like, all these, like, kind of romantic And then he says, oh, you mean, like, My Fair Lady. And he's surprised. Oh. And he's surprised that Eggsy knows what that is. You're full of surprises, I think he says. Something yeah, like because that. he basically, Eggsy is like, oh, you teach me how to speak proper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Eggsy gets spocked. Go on. So in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. I think this is the most Star Trek mentions we've had in an episode. I'll, I will try to get as many as I can. So in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, um, there is an incident where a torpedo is fired at a Klingon vessel and Kirk and McCoy go to the ship to try to help out because it's thought that the torpedo came from their ship, but they don't know. They didn't do it. They want to go help out and see if anybody's hurt. So before they leave, Spock puts his hand on on Jim's shoulder and is like, uh, we'll be in touch, which is kind of weird because Spock doesn't usually touch people because Vulcans have a telepathic thing. They don't usually do that. Mm-hmm. And then later we learn that he put a tracker on Jim's back so that they could keep track where he was because they could take it to Repente. Uh, the prison colony. He, uh, Eggsy gets spocked in this movie because oh, fucking, uh, uh, Harry. 
Harry walks up to him and before he leaves, he puts his hand on his shoulder. And my thought was, he's putting a device on his shoulder. There's the only reason he would touch him is he's putting a device on his shoulder. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. But but not only is this a tracking device, it has a microphone in it. Yep. So when uh, uh, Stepdad gets in his face, fucking the microphone comes on. He's like, back the fuck off, guy, and uh, or, or this is going to be a problem. And uh, he's able to leave. So I thought that was really cool. Again, don't know if it was a direct callback to Star Trek VI, but I'd like to think so. Uh, Man in Black has the device that wipes people's memory. What was it called? Neuralizer. A neuralizer. In this movie, they just have a fucking drug. They just shoot a thing into your neck and you forget stuff. Oh, but you have to set it to, like, amnesia. It has an amnesia setting. Um, because I feel like <laughs> I feel like there has to be some, there have to have been some slips of the thumb, though, where they went to set it to amnesia. It's like, ah, damn death. Sorry, man. Hmm. Didn't mean to kill you. Yeah. Also, it's... Sam Jackson um, serves this like elegant meal, and in my 2021 mind, I can't see anything else now, knowing what has happened in politics, because mm-hmm. he serves them. It's this big thing, and they take the dish off, and it's McDonald's, and I thought all I thought was Trump. Yeah, Trump serving all those like all that fast food to those like sports teams or whatever. I like when he says, "I'll have the Big Mac," and he's like, "Oh, good choice," but I think the double cheeseburger is the best option. Like, that, like, that's a pretty. How much you know McDonald's pay for this? I was thing? gonna say that's a pretty good way to do it, though. Yeah, <laughs> McDonald's is gonna pay you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, like sidebar, Donald Trump, you're giving athletes fast food. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, come on, man. Um, yeah, so when. That's the only bad thing he did. Though. Only bad thing. So when they get into Kingsman, uh, uh, Merlin actually threatens them uh, that if they reveal what's going on here, not only will he kill them, he'll kill their families. Well, yeah, that body bag scene. Yeah, Your classic uh, classic Nazi technique. <laughs> wow. I do like the the little character detail of when um, when uh, Harry is showing uh, Eggsy all the little gadgets. We all, we actually get like a cue scene, like James Bond, yeah. um, showing him all the little gadgets and stuff. Um, Eggsy tries to nick one of them. Yeah, like he definitely <laughs> he pockets one, and you know he just put it back. Fucking lighter grenade. <laughs> yeah, he quickly tells him to put it back. But like I just, it's a nice little character detail. At one point, they are able to track um, Valentine through an IP address through I think the device that they get a hold of, and it's like this guy's a tech mogul. He can't mask his fucking IP. He didn't use a VPN or something? Are you talking about Sam Jackson? Man, if we were sponsored by NordVPN, this would be the right time to segue into an ad. <laughs> Hold on, are you talking about... Yeah, yeah, the, no... Um, no, uh, but it does mask his... his, his well, no, the Kingsmen IP. track him. Uh, and they say they tracked him via his IP. Oh, because I thought earlier in the movie they said they tried to do that, but his IP was like... Well, maybe he made a mistake or it something. It was coming from his corporation. Yes. Which yeah, they, they said they, could be millions could be of millions, employees. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like when they're when, so yeah again in that scene when he's showing off all the gadgets and stuff he gives him the shoes and he says uh, uh, <laughs> do it like a like a like a German or something and he does the like fucking Hitler salute and mustache like no and he clicks his heels and the the thing comes out right yeah he wants him to click his heels not do the act the Nazi Germany but the line I love is he says in the old days there was also a phone in there mm-hmm. which is a callback to get smart okay I had the shoe phone okay which again I probably said this before but my dad for many years called cellular phones shoe phones. Dad, you may very well be listening. It's true. I remember. <laughs> I like that uh, they describe. So when they're going to uh, head to the base and, and deal with Sam Jackson, they get uh, 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 Lancelot to, what's her name? Knox? Roxy? Roxy. Yeah. <laughs> so they get Roxy. It's like, oh, we have this uh, We have this device, uh, this jetpack thing. It's from the Reagan era from the Star Wars program, which I don't really understand because the Star Wars program would have been a series of satellites that were able to use lasers to destroy incoming missiles. You don't remember the jetpacks he built for I don't for remember that? the jetpacks for that, well, but still thought it was a fun reference. Uh, clearly, you don't remember the best Reagan years. 
Oh, at one point, when, when Taron Edgerton is running through the, the cave, murdering guys left and right, all the henchmen. Yeah. He grabs one guy and does a legit goddamn German suplex to him. He <laughs> full-on flips him over and fucking kills him. We got to say, too, we didn't mention this enough. Taron, Eg- Taron Egerton or Taron Egerton or whatever, he is... He is holding his own in this oh, yeah. movie because he's he great. Is, look at all the, the acting heavyweights: Michael Caine, Sam Jackson, Colin Firth, Mark Strong, like yeah. all these. Mark Hamill in his brief appearance, but like all these like big name actors, and he is not the weak yeah. link. Like he's it not a weak be, link at all. It would be very easy for him to be like kind of this like low key, you know, like just just not standing out amongst these guys. But you're right; he absolutely stands he out, holds his own, and, and makes his name. And I mean, this leads to a lot of it. I mean, he. Almost won an Academy Award for Rocket Man. He played Elton John, so there you go. There we go. And then Uh, he was in Robin Hood. Again, again, folks, that cave runway is insane. I would love to see a pilot, what what, what they actually thought of that, if that would even be possible, to land a uh, plane that accurately inside that tiny little fucking cave opening. Pilots! At us. <laughs> All of you pilots that listen to us while you're flying, first off, stop listening to podcasts while you're flying. The tower might have something to Jason, say. Jason, don't do that. <laughs> I want the listenership. We get paid by the ad revenue, baby. That's right. That's right. So, uh, it, you know what? Just play it in the background. You don't have to listen to it. Just put, play it. Put it on mute. And then you know what? Do it later. Hook it into the PA. Play it for the people on your plane. No, 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 no. I want all of them to individually listen to it on their phones. (laughs) That's true. We want the numbers. I'm in it for the money, baby. All right. So exploding heads. Let's talk about that. Okay. Well, let's talk. So we talked about the chips that people have in their necks Mm -hmm. and how um, Sam Jackson can just blow them up if he wants to. Yeah, and I like that at one point he has to say like, I wouldn't put one of those things in my own neck. Like, yeah, obviously. Like, why? Why would anybody think that he would? Um, but in this scene, uh, basically, Eggsy is cornered, Merlin is cornered, and they come up with the idea, like, well, let's try to hack into the the system that controls these uh, mechanisms for the head explosions. And I will say right now, you should seek out this clip. If you don't watch the movie, you should seek out this clip. Just search Kingsman head explosions and you'll see it. But basically what happens is they set it off yeah. and everyone's head starts exploding. And to the tune of this wonderful music. It, it, and a little bit, it, it's... Reminds me a little bit of the end of V for Vendetta when they're blowing up Parliament and the 1812 Overture is playing. It's got a very similar vibe. So I need to go back and watch that movie again. So let's listen to this. You're going to love it. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. So we'll seek out that clip because it is yeah, graphic. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but basically it's like fireworks. Yeah. Everyone's head is popping off. And then, of course, uh, that, including President Barack Obama. That is an interesting implication for that world. That because So the idea is that Sam Jackson brought all these elites together. He has them all in one place. He got them all chipped. 
That goes off. It kills pretty much the the elitist of the elite class in the world. Oh. All of a sudden, you have an immense amount of wealth that is no longer possessed by a bunch of people. That could be the revolutionary thing that this movie leads to. You say you want a revolution. Well, you know, you got to blow up some fucking heads. <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah. It's it. It's not in the Constitution. Well, you know. And and then of course there's a mid credit scene where he comes back and uh, assaults the stepdad and a bunch of other people. In the, it, yeah, much exactly. Like Harry did earlier, which is good because that was something that was coming the whole movie that never got paid off in the yeah. course of the main body of the movie. The stepdad, because the stepdad really needed to be punched. Same. And so yeah. he does a, a kind of a, a replay of Harry and and using the umbrella to smash the mug into the face, and then it cuts away before the full fight. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the background of the movie. Um, so Mark Miller wrote the comic. Matthew Vaughn. Um, ba- basically, Mark Miller and Matthew Vaughn were just hanging out at a bar discussing spy movies. Wait, Matthew Vaughn of Layer Cake fame? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they were just talking about spy movies and saying, like, oh, the genre's gotten so serious over the years. So there you go. Mm-hmm. They were clearly uh, against that. And they really just wanted to do a fun one. Yeah. And to have the time to make this movie, Matthew Vaughn took a huge risk because he dropped out of directing X-Men Days of Future Past. Which, in retrospect, was the correct move. Uh, no. I didn't see that movie. No, that's the good one. That's one of the good ones. Well, I just I mean, it, I, I really liked Kingsman. Okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, that movie was highly successful. Yes. Um, so it was a risk to take. Uh, wait, they, they brought wait, in... wait, wait, wait. Was that the second X movie movie he dropped out of? Cause I'm pretty sure he was supposed to direct X-Men three at one point. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that they brought in highly problematic director, Brian Singer for X-Men oh, Days of Future Past. I was going to say they brought in highly problematic director, Brett, uh, 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 they're both. What's his name? Brett, Brett Ratner, Brett fucking Ratner. I think fuck s- you, Brett Ratner. I think fuck you. Based on what I've heard, Singer's worse, but yeah. Ratner, Ratner's no angel for no, sure. No. <laughs> um, Singer is a more talented director at the end of the day. Yes. <laughs> the usual suspects above anything Brett Ratner's directed. Rush hours be damned. Yep. Um, yeah, but because everyone, when they watch Rush Hour, they're like, oh, if anything, the directing stands yeah, out. Yeah, fuck you, Brett Ratner. <laughs> I just want to take the time. The official position of For Screening Country is fuck you, Brett Ratner, and also go fuck yourself, Brian Singer. Yeah. And you know what? Kevin Spacey eats shit. Sure. Um, okay, so anyway. You watch out, Shatner. We're coming for you next. <laughs> He's going to die before anything happens. <laughs> um, so yeah, Vaughn, Matthew Vaughn basically said it was a really tough decision to do that. Uh, but he said if he did not do it, then somebody else would wake up and do a fun spy movie. And then he said, quote, then I would have written a bloody screenplay that no one would want to make. Absolutely. Because yeah. it would have already been done. Yeah, um, I mean, th- this movie is sort of the first. I mean, I don't know. Has there been any sort of like out there spy movies since this one? Because before oh, this, sure. really, there was Austin Powers as far as that sort of more silly out there end of it goes. Spy, the movie Spy. Spy, but even That's that was still, a comedy. It was a comedy, but it was also still pretty grounded as a spy movie. Was it? I mean, in comparison to Kingsman. Was it? Mm. <laughs> um, I like that movie. <laughs> I, I love that movie, yeah. Colin Firth, so Colin Firth joined the movie in 2013. He was on board. There was a rumor that Leo DiCaprio was in talks to play a villain, uh, but Matthew Vaughn basically denied that. And I love this quote because he said, Leo DiCaprio came as close to playing that role as I am to becoming the Pope. <laughs> he said, but he's and, a Catholic. That's my question. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but of course, you know, Sam Jackson took the part and we talked about how, um, you know, he actually, he actually said in that interview too, we didn't hear it, but he always wanted to be, um, 
a Bond villain, but he mm. never really wanted to be in a Bond movie because he also said that at his age, he do- he doesn't think he has the physicality to do stuff like that. Question. Yeah. Has there been a, a, a Bond villain of color that wasn't Baron Samdi? I don't know who that is, so I can't answer it. That's from, from uh, was it Live and Let Die, I think? I mean, if you're talking about people that aren't, that aren't like, you know, Caucasian males, I mean, Javier Bardem has True. played a, a Bond villain. I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking is, has there been a black dude who's been a villain in a James Bond movie? I can't tell you. I don't know. No, I, I mean, mean, I can't. Other than Baron Samedi. So Live and Let Die, Baron Samedi mm-hmm. was like a voodoo, Haiti, he wore a top hat. He oh, okay. was very, like, so only was, the best representation. Yeah, only the best representation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but apparently, uh, so also uh, during the casting of this movie, uh, he, you know, Matthew Vaughn cast Sophie Cookson, very capable performance as uh, Roxy. Of course, she doesn't really get a whole lot to do, but she's good in what she has. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, I, I guess a lot of people were expecting more obvious candidates like Emma Watson, who I'm sure would have been great, but he really wanted to cast someone more unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, Hamill was, Mark Hamill was cast as Professor Arnold because it was a reference to his character in the Source comic book being named Mark Hamill. I, I, you're almost there. I believe what happened in the comic book is that Professor Arnold is kidnapping celebrities, and one of the celebrities he kidnaps is Mark Hamill. Oh, really? Based on what I read. Okay. Yeah. Um, this movie, 70, 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. So overall, well-received. Um, some of the quotes about uh, the, this movie, this slam-bang action movie about British secret agents is deliriously shaken, not stirred. Even when it stops making sense, Kingsman is unstoppable fun. That's from Peter Travers. Oh, a quick note. Uh, I love when he comes in and he asks for a martini and he goes, I need a martini made with gin, of course, stirred. Great. And I just want you to glance slightly at an unopened bottle of vermouth. <laughs> it made me laugh. <laughs> Uh, Jordan Hoffman of The Guardian said, comparing the film to those of Christopher Nolan, uh, he's comparing it to Christopher Nolan, said, despite the presence of grandfatherly Michael Caine, Kingsman's tone is about as far from the Christopher Nolan-style superhero film as you can get. Wait, oh, wait. Verisimilitude is frequently traded in for a rich laugh. Is it literally just because Michael Caine was in both those movies he's comparing them? I don't think they're comparable. They're very different sorts of movies. I think he was just saying, like, different takes on the comic book kind of genre. Um... The Guardian, however, was not as favorable. They called it a smirking spy spoof, weirdly charmless and dated in unintentional ways. I agree kind of the yes, dated stuff. absolutely. Weirdly, <laughs> yeah. like 2014. Um, it is a film forever demanding to be congratulated on how stylish it is. <laughs> Even Guy Ritchie looks at it and goes, wow. <laughs> it's a little much, guys. <laughs> Um, the, the AV Club had an interesting comment here. Uh, far from being a Team America-style send-up of gentlemen spy movies, Kingsman is actually even more reactionary than the movies it's referencing. Mm. It traffics in the kind of Tory values Bond films merely suggest. The thing is, the movie is fun, at least from a visual design standpoint, even though it's hard to separate its bespoke fashions, future vintage gadgets, and aristocratic decor from its fusty worldview. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, there was some. There was overall positive, uh, well received. Um, of course, there was some criticism for the anal sex gag at the end mm, of the film. Yeah, a little tasteless. Um, this movie cost ninety four million dollars to make. It made four hundred and fourteen million dollars. No wonder they made a sequel they and two sequel. two sequels. Yeah, well, yeah, third one still to come. Kingsman: The Golden Circle, also fun. Probably even more problematic. <laughs> I'm interested to see The King's Man because it's got our buddy Ray Fiennes in it. and uh, We got it. Jason, if that movie is good, we have to do it on the show because absolutely. I feel bad for Ray Fiennes. Absolutely. Having talked about a movie that he He's a fantastic actor and yet nothing he's been in has set us on fire so far. For this so, podcast. Yeah. We talked about The Avengers and yes. we talked about The English Patient. Yeah, exactly. So he, he and, has... and Lawrence after Arabia. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Rafe, you've gotten a bad run of this podcast, and we apologize. But we, we swear we will watch a good one at we some point. We know you're listening. We know you want a good <laughs> reputation on that's this right. podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, that's all I have for So, that. yeah, and, and I guess a final thing. like Again, back to Avengers. Avengers was really trying to play uh, spy comedy, trying to do it like like with that gentlemanly kind of feel. You know, obviously John Steed is sort of in that vein, although he wears a hat, which doesn't seem to be what they do. Mission accomplished. Um but yeah, it really feels like Kingsman made good on the promise of Avengers. Not that Avengers had a super amount of promise coming out and it just was so fucking bad. But the, I, I'd like to think that, that Matthew Vaughn saw that and thought, that's terrible. Maybe somebody could actually do that right. I do agree with one of the criticisms, though, where it said it feels like a 14-year-old boy may have written yes. this. No, there, yes, it definitely has that <laughs> feel to it, for sure. <laughs> but Jason, overall, Kingsman, what do you feel? How All right, so if, if we put aside the 14-year-old boy wrote it, we put aside the problematic parts of it and the Tory values and all that. This movie was fucking fantastic, Brendan. I loved every fucking second of it. Um, it was it was almost too much, actually, at times. It was so balls to the wall. But, man, I had a good time. And I can I can recommend this movie to the ends of the earth. Certainly be academic about it. Notice those things we talked about, maybe things we missed. Because, yes, there is definitely that problematic stuff in it. But as a cinematic experience, I fucking loved it. Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, like, for me, like, aesthetically, as, like, a pure movie enjoyment on a pure on that level certainly yeah. it's great it's very entertaining Absolutely. from top to bottom the other stuff hampers it a bit yeah. i i do feel like that kind of weighs in on it a little bit but just acknowledge it be aware that there might be some stuff that you, you might uh you might not uh be on board with but it, it is what it is um it's it's a it's a really fun movie now as far as it being on the list i don't know i don't know about yeah, that i don't know it, it... If you if you did a mo- uh, top hundred movies of maybe the last twenty two years or so, yeah, because I think if you mix it in with this with the actual list like the BFI top one hundred, yeah. I think we have the spy movies represented fairly well. Yeah, we get Ipcrest and Bond, and like those are the 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 you know, originators of the genre. I mean, goddamn, I'm not putting Austin Powers on this shit either, but like, <laughs> well, it's technically not a British movie. It's either. not a British film, but like, I'm sure someone would argue for yeah. it somehow, but no, I, I don't know. I don't know about that, about be, being on the list, but I mean, certainly as a popcorn movie, mm-hmm. it's certainly entertaining. Again, just be aware. There is some shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but from Jason, you can get a full recommendation. Check it out. Enjoy it. Have a good time. Just be aware. Very violent, very disturbing. If you're not prepared for it. Yeah, the colorfulness of this movie uh, is a bit of a red herring. So now, Jason, we're going to move on to so now, Jason, we're going to move on to my Brit pick next week, hmm. um, and that is, of course, the 2011 sci-fi thriller horror action film "Attack the Block," the movie that introduced us all to John Boyega. John Boyega, Nick Frost, also in the movie. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about that next week. I think there's, I think. Similarly, not in the problematic aspect, but similarly, in there are some 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 deeper themes going on than what is on the surface. So I think we will have a lot of fun discussing and dissecting that. And I have not seen this movie, but it's one of those movies I've always thought I should watch. So I'm excited to watch it. There you go. We're going to talk about it after you watch it. I will. Um, but that's uh, that's going to be it. So you can uh, you can find us on social media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can find Jason on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod for fun times, for dank memes. Uh, Lots of uh, anal sex jokes. Uh, I, I, I like stuff. So check out my likes. Yep. And uh, uh, Jason has it, some strong uh, pro Tory opinions. Absolutely. And if you come to my Twitter, we can do it in the ash hole. 
So follow him there. Um, you can also, obviously, we're our home base is Age of Radio, ageofradio.org slash for screen and country. Uh, we're also on uh, all the podcast apps. So look for us, find us, listen to us, enjoy. Yeah, man. But until then, until next week when we talk about Attack the Block, Ooh. Jason, I just have to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. For screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Welcome to the King's Book. Oh, hi, mate. You got one of them grenade lighters. I got a lighter cigarette and then kill a bloke. I'm gonna wake up, yes and no. I'm gonna kiss some part of. I'm gonna keep this secret. I'm gonna close my body. Yeah.